It was any other day, really nothing special. I was annoyed, as per usual, that my mother was sending me to the shop. But what could I do? How could I say no? We all know the woman can't walk. Am I evil? Lord knows, sometimes I think I am. But everything I've done, good or bad, has stemmed from reason. Why aren't I kind and caring, an idiot like Sale? She's my sister, and an absolute fool, if you ask me. And the type of person who would give you the shirt off her back and shoes off her feet. That reminds me of high school leadership camp. Do you believe in guardian angels? Anyway, what a waste. The kids who deserve the title never get it. Yet arrogant little twits like Leo always seem to have life rooting for them to succeed. You see, my life from the outside seemed perfect. Because that's how I painted it. I never shed a tear in front of those animals I called classmates. Or anyone else for that matter. I was strong because I had to be. And like other kids, Sale and I didn't have a choice. Hello and how are you? Welcome to another podcast from Discussion is a Must Trust. My name is Zanele Damani and as per usual, it is an absolute pleasure for me to be hearing you hearing my voice. Happy Women's Day if you're in South Africa. It's a nice new day. Sorry that my voice is a little bit rusty. I have been trying to force myself to record this podcast for the longest time. And if you liked that little introduction, well, I hope that you stay and listen as I'm introducing a new segment to the podcasts called Short Stories. This is a fictional story that I wrote. I hope that you like it and I hope that you enjoy. Please engage with me over Instagram or email. My Instagrams are linked in my podcast, but um, if you have a second now, it's at Zanele Damani. That's my main account. And then discussion is a trust, discussion is a must underscore trust on Instagram and then my email. Well, without any further ado, let's get straight into it. I will be reading Camp Bright today, and that was a little introduction. Chapter one, potential prefects. I really thought adults had life figured out, but they're just as screwed up as us. Miss Terry decided that it would be a good idea to let the students elect the school prefects. I swear if I had a rant for every time that blonde idiot came up with a good idea, I'd be as poor as I currently am. Leo, of course, emerged victorious, with 80% of the votes. The movie cliché, South African version, of course, of the all-star quarterback, class clown and arsehole. Stop. I know what you're thinking. That I was in love with him, just like every other girl in the school. And that when he looked my ways, I felt butterflies in my stomach and my knees felt oh so weak. Maybe the first day I met him, when he wrapped his arm around my shoulder, after a great eight Zara felt so lost in a huge new place, with no face to look over to for safety. How I miss my best friend Kate. She always knew what to say to make me feel better. She would have probably warned me of the dangers of trying to be something you're not. Or she would have told me to go for it. What's the worst that could happen? Question. Why do we always ask ourselves that question? Is it because it's always safer to leave room for disappointment? It's like we mentally prepare ourselves for the worst, like we have this preconceived notion that it will be bad. As I watched Leo walk up to the stage and take his place as a potential prefect, the memories of all five years came rushing in like a flood. For you see, Leo hated me, but there's no way he hated me as much as I hated him. He made high school a living hell for me. Every day I prepared myself for the next insult. Lesson after lesson, day after day. 
Nothing was off limits for Leo and his goon of testosterone-filled idiots he called friends when it came to me. Sometimes I think it was their life's purpose to see how far towards the edge they could push me. But I never let them win. One morning, I walked to homeroom class and there was Leo surrounded by our classmates. They laughed at everything he said. Was I the only person who actually listened to the words coming out of that boy's mouth? His jokes were so dry, they made the Sahara Desert seem like Niagara Falls. Of course he saw me walking towards our classroom, and he looked at me and said something, stupid probably, and everyone began to laugh. Don't feel bad, dear reader. We have not yet scratched the surface of how cruel people can be. A classmate walked up to me after to let me know what Leo had said. She told me that he said his biggest fear is being forced to kiss me. You'd swear I was hideous, right? Maybe I had bad breath, was overweight, or a combination of the above. Well, I was definitely no Victoria's Secret supermodel, but I certainly was, slash am, average. I hope. I shrugged off Leo's comments like I have all his previous ones and walked into class. I walked so slowly, one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, step by step by step by, oh shit, why am I walking towards the stage? Was my name called? I have to stop letting my mind wander. Well done, Zara. You are the final potential prefect for the year 2016, said Miss Terry. Either these animals really voted for me, or this is some sad excuse of a joke. But before I could even gather my thoughts, Miss Terry started blurting out something. We can't wait for our potential prefects to return home with all the necessary skills that they will need to be the best mentors for the school. The bus leaves in one week from today, next Friday at 7.15 sharp. Sale, I said, as I unlocked our bedroom door. I've been selected as a potential prefect. Sale smiled like she always smiles every time I do something amazing. That's amazing, Zara. Why aren't you happy? Because we have to go to this stupid leadership camp. It's a whole weekend. We return Monday. I have nothing to wear and wear snowshoes. You see, I have exactly three pairs of shoes. School shoes, a pair of flip-flops and slippers. I loathe Civvy's days. I only participated once in my whole high school career and swore I never would again. Firstly, my friend Irene and I swore we would both dress up. She didn't show up. All I can remember is those classmates of mine laughing and walking behind me. It was hell for the whole day. You know you can just wear my nikes, right? Remember what I said about Sale? Yeah. She's crazy. Sal had just got a job at our local movie theatre. It took her six months to save up for those shoes that she had only worn once. They were brand new. Of course I took them. I was a 17-year-old high school student who only cared about the opinions of those around me. My mom and Sal managed to scrape up some extra money for me, just in case we stopped banging shops. They never wanted me to miss out. They wanted me to experience everything. Everything they hadn't. Chapter 2 Laura Laura was every high school boy's fantasy. Beautiful, smart, kind and respected. Laura and I exchanged words every now and then. Now that I think of it, I think she told Leo off a few times on my behalf, but I can't remember. Laura and I became extremely close during the whole potential prefect campaign. Laura opened up to me about her parents and how they were constantly fighting. It was hell for her and her little brother. Laura's father, who constantly compares his children, nothing was off the table. Looks, grades, personal beliefs, everything. 
To be honest, I didn't mind Laura's venting. It was nice to know I would have someone during the weekend, since Irene was not a potential prefect. I'd be a carcass out in the open for the wolves. Laura and I decided we would match the entire weekend. We both wore matching white shirts, black leggings and Nike shoes when we boarded the bus. I was so excited, but not everyone, you see, shared positive energy towards Laura and my friendship. Laura, being the it girl, was of course popular, which means she had a lot of friends. Brittany, Octavia and Elaine. If any high school students are reading this, take my advice, trust no one. In high school, a smile and dagger exist in the same space. Brittany and I were fine when Octavia and Elaine went around. Elaine and I lived in the same complex, so my mom would often fetch and take us from school. But that was the extent of our relationship. Laura and I sat next to each other on the bus, laughing and gossiping the whole way. Take note, this was a three-hour bus ride. I finally braved the question, or maybe I was tired of the death stares I was receiving from Brittany, Octavia and Elaine. Laura, why aren't you talking to Brittany and them? I asked. Laura said in a calm tone, I think we've just outgrown each other. I knew there was more to the story, but Laura and I were getting on so well. I didn't want to risk it. Of course, a full bus ride could not pass without Leo saying something stupid. Zara, I hear we're going to have to run, eh? We all know you haven't done that in a while. That's not even funny, Leo, Laura said, and he apologized. What the fuck? I thought in my head. What was wrong with this man? I thought to myself. You see... The apology was not directed to me, but to Laura. I didn't even have the energy to care at that point. I just did what I always did. Look the other way. I really didn't feel like giving him a witty comeback. Laura held my hand and gave me a look. A look I will never forget. You know that type of look you give a lost puppy you can't save? Yeah, that look. I hate it when people feel bad for me. It's hell. I don't want or need anyone's pity, but that look, that kind look, made me feel like everything was going to be okay. Some ridiculous bus ride songs and a few pathetic impressions of our school principal, Mr. Loveheart, later, and we arrived. I swear we were in the desert, with nothing but sand and nothingness surrounding us. I thought to myself, this is kind of weird, but stranger things have happened. Camp Bright, it was called, a stupid name for a stupid place. We were greeted by three counsellors, Matthew, Noah and Andrew. They were all brothers and their dad created the camp 50 years ago to help troubled teens. But over time they slapped leadership over the pamphlet and reaped all the benefits. Noah spoke first. He had a soft yet commanding tone, deep blue eyes and his arms were covered with tattoos. Congratulations to you all for being here. I truly hope you will leave this camp having learned something, Noah said. Andrew chimed in, they'll learn how painful washing footy dishes can be if they don't follow the rules. The brothers laughed. We were not sure if this was a joke or not, so we all stayed quiet. Don't worry, this isn't hell. It will be fun, Noah said, trying to gain our trust. We made our way to our rooms. There were only two huge rooms. One for girls and one for boys. Bunk bed next to bunk bed next to bunk bed. Laura and I immediately picked two lower beds that were combined into two. We made our beds, unpacking the bed sheets and blankets we had brought with us, and we were ready for whatever awaited us. 
Matthew entered a room filled with 15 girls, so of course no one heard him the first time. There was too much laughing and giggling. He cleared his throat. Mm-hmm. Ladies, you arrived just in time for lunch. We met up with the boys and walked to the canteen as a group. Just before we got there, I realized I forgot my wallet. I wasn't sure if they sold anything and I didn't want to miss out. Laura escorted me back to the girls' room. I walked in, got my wallet, and as we walked, there was Noah. He was so tall we felt so tiny. Girls, I believe it's lunch, he said. Laura replied, sorry, we just came to get some money. You can't buy anything here. We supply everything, Noah said. What's your name? Noah asked. I'm Laura, and this is my friend Zara. That's a nice name. Zara, he said. Thank you, I replied. Noah walked us to the canteen, telling us about why the camp was so great and all the good things we'll learn and blah, 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 blah. I was just trying to get something to eat. Chapter 3. Camp Bright. Let me tell you a story about good and about bad, about happy and about sad. There was a boy named Ash. He was only 17. He lived on the streets and had very little, sometimes nothing to eat. He tried to go to school, but it was a jewel, trying to sit with a crowd that didn't fit and click with chicks that just would quit. Ash lost hope, got on a boat and decided to let his life float. He arrived in Peru with nothing to do, got into the army, chilled with the girls and the dudes. He learned the rules and values and knew what he wanted to do. To spread the message that if you don't give up, there's nothing you can't do. I read that quote as I ate my hot dog and drank my quo- coke. It was on the wall in the canteen. Inspirational, if you ask me. Andrew handed us each an itinerary. First things first, team building. God, I can't stand these people. Now you want me to do team building activities with them? He's looking at you, you know, Laura said. Who, I asked. Noah, Laura replied. What the hell is he looking at, I thought to myself. But just as Laura and I were about to get into an hour-long debate over whether or not Noah was looking at me, Catherine walks to our table. Laura automatically starts blushing like a fool. You'd swear these two hadn't made out a hundred times. I'm not talking to her, so you're going to have to carry the conversation, Zara. No, I am not, Laura. I am many things, but not a relationship expert. I haven't even had my first kiss. I thought to myself, how would my first kiss even be? Somewhere beautiful, maybe a movie cliche where my beloved stops me dead in my tracks as I'm walking away angrily in the rain and he grabs me and kisses me softly on my lips as the rest of the world just slowly fades away into the background and rain doesn't even feel like rain anymore. Ouch! Did he just kick me? Zara, Catherine just asked you a question. Did this bitch just kick me? I thought to myself. Sorry. Yes, Catherine. Zara, you really gotta stop daydreaming. You might miss out on something special one day. Catherine said. How are you, Catherine? I asked. I'm great, Zara. Catherine, how would I even begin to describe her? The best athlete at the school, with the longest curls I'd ever seen. Why do hot people always attract each other? I have literally no chance if these are the standards for a relationship. Laura, Catherine said, do you want to talk with me later? I don't know. It's too soon, Laura said. It's been two months, Laura, and I apologized. It literally just slipped my mind, Catherine said. 
How do two whole years slip your mind, Catherine? You know anniversaries are important to me, but all you care about is your sport. If I missed a game, you'd have my head. You need to learn to compromise and be fair. This is a relationship, Catherine, Laura said. I'm trying, baby. Let's just talk, Catherine said. She looked really convincing. Even I wanted to hear what she had to say. Fine, Laura reluctantly agreed. Once we had finished our nutritious meals, one single hot dog on a hard-ass roll, Matthew checked up on all of us to make sure we all got something to eat. Everyone, let's go to the fire pit, Matthew said. We walked to the fire pit, which was miles away from the canteen. By the time we got there, it felt like we were on fire. Noah and Andrew arrived carrying logs and they dropped them into the fire pit. Matthew said, Nothing is forever. A fire may be lit, may be strong. It may destroy everything that comes in its path, burning for days and days. But eventually the fire will die. Noah handed us each a paper and pen. And he said, You need to write down three negative thoughts you have about yourself. You are only allowed to keep those thoughts in your mind as long as this fire burns. When the fire stops burning, the thoughts need to die with the fire. So, who would like to light the fire? Matthew asked. Leo, of course, raised his hand, and Andrew handed him the match. I have enough negative thoughts going through my mind to fill every single paper here, but I'll just keep it short. 1. I've let myself down. 2. I'm a bad person. 3. I'm not good enough. Noah walked around to make sure all of us were writing something. He stopped in front of Laura and I, and he peeked at my paper. He gave me the most intense stare I'd ever received in my whole life, and then continued walking around the fire pit. Anyone want to share something? Matthew asked. Yeah, Leo said. I'm too sexy, sir. Everyone started laughing. And how is that a negative thing? Matthew asked. Well, sir, stop calling us sir, Noah interrupted. We aren't that old. Leo laughed and apologized. Well, you see, these girls are stressing me, hey? They want me left and right, even the ugly ones, Leo said as he looked at me. Everyone caught that look. And they laughed. Well, at least you won't be so self-conceited when the fire dies, Noah said. Now, in my humble opinion, that was funny and so satisfactory. There's nothing better than watching a bully wipe the smirk off their face. That's enough sharing for one day, Andrew said. Now everyone crumple your papers and throw them into the fire. You have two hours till dinner. Freshen up and we'll meet you back here at the canteen for supper. Damn, if these activities continue to be so easy, I might like this place. Laura and I decided that we would walk back together. But before we could even make our way, Catherine stopped and asked if Laura and her could talk. Will you be okay, Zara? Yeah, Laura, go. I decided to walk back to the room so I could use my cell phone and call my mom and lie to her about what a fantastic time I'm having. I walked into the room and immediately heard Brittany and her friends giggling. I decided to brush off their comments as I walked towards my bag. Zara, I heard my name. Yes, Elaine? You shouldn't try to be like Laura. Just because she can pull it off doesn't mean you can. 
and it doesn't even suit you. I did my usual fake laugh to brush the situation away as I turned. Elaine continued, No, seriously, don't laugh. It doesn't suit you. What are you talking about, I asked, trying to be something you're not. Maybe you should get your own friends and stop being so desperate. And I know you feel so special, but we all know that you're trying to get Laura's attention. Plus, she loves charity work, so it fits. She said, Octavia and Brittany laughed. They did this in front of all the girls and half the guys who were sitting outside. In that exact moment, I don't know what hit me. Was it all the people laughing? Was it the words, the air? I don't know. But I broke rule number one. Don't let them see you cry. I started crying. I was really crying. It was bad. I felt paralyzed in that moment. I couldn't move. I couldn't run. The only thing I could do is stand there and cry. With my eyes closed, hoping this wasn't really happening. Hoping this was one of those instances where my mind wanders. Suddenly, I was embraced by Laura. She had just saved me out of nowhere. Where did she come from? How could she have even known? At that moment, I really didn't care. Laura and I walked out. She held me as I sobbed. I felt so embarrassed. And then, out of nowhere, like on cue, Noah walked towards us. Zara, are you okay? He asked. I'm fine, thank you, I said. You're not fine, what happened? Some girls were picking on her, Laura said. I shot Laura a death stare in that moment. I didn't need an absolute stranger fully aware of how pathetic I am. Noah lifted my chin, as if he had known me my entire life. When he uttered the words, the words I said to myself every day, after every insult. Don't let them win, he said. Who was this man? I thought to myself. Come on. You can help us sit up for dinner. As we arrived at the canteen, Andrew and Matthew were already setting up. Noah spoke with them, briefly. Their conversation was weird. It was as if they were mad at him. Laura and I couldn't hear anything apart from a very clear and angry not again that was uttered by Matthew. Noah came back to us and told Laura to help Andrew with the dishes. Noah took me to the kitchen where he gave me a juice box and a wet towel to wipe my eyes. I don't want you to feel sorry for me, I said. I don't feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for the people around you, he said. Before he could continue, Andrew walked in. We need more hands outside, he said. I left immediately. There was a weird tension in the room. What did he say? Laura asked as she plated dishes. He was just being nice, I said. Mmm, Laura mumbled. How old is he anyway, Zara? I don't know, Laura, and it doesn't matter, I replied. The rest of the group started walking in for dinner. We ate the worst meatballs I've ever had in my life. Andrew and Matthew kept looking my way. Zara, Laura said, you must have something special, hey? You've caught the eye of all the counsellors. Well, she is gorgeous, so of course, Catherine said. They feel sorry for me, guys. This is why I hate crying in front of people, I replied. We have one more activity before we get to the fun stuff tomorrow, Noah said. Everybody, 
grab a blindfold and put it on without cheating. To keep in line with our promise on the pamphlet, we are playing Trust. We're splitting you up into teams of three. Blindfolded, you need to find each other in the dark. Once you've found your teammates, you need to hold each other's hands and scream, done. Not as easy as you think, Andrew said. Each team has a different wor word. We will walk around and let each of you know what your word is. Since you all have a different word, you need to listen for your word as your teammates call for you. You need to trust each other and find each other in the dark. Suddenly, the room became dark. These psychopaths just switched off the lights and were blindfolded. My team's word was blue. As the game started, I listened intently, but with everyone screaming at the same time, I couldn't make out any actual words. Just as I thought I heard an actual colour, I felt arms wrapped around my waist. I wanted to scream, but I heard a familiar voice saying, Shh. It was Noah. I tried to take off my blindfold, but he stopped me. Did I do something wrong? I asked. No, he replied. Then why are you holding me? I asked. I just wanted to guide you in the right direction, he said. In that moment, I didn't know if I was daydreaming or crazy, but this isn't normal, right? Does he do this with all the girls? Is he even allowed to help me? Questions I don't have the answers to. Or maybe I really didn't want to know the answers. There, he said, with a calm tone, listen. Blue was suddenly shouted out, like the crystal waters in Greece, so clear as if it wasn't a room filled with screaming teenagers. Suddenly, I felt someone grab my hand, and in that moment, I felt Noah slowly loosen his grip. I don't want him to let go. He made me feel safe. What the fuck am I saying? I barely even know the guy. Suddenly, there was a silence, and Andrew told us to take off our blindfold. Why in the world, out of all of the people at this camp, do I need to be holding Leo's disgusting, sweaty-ass hand? We both immediately pulled away when we realized we had been holding hands for over five minutes. What did that teach you? Noah asked. Before any of us could even answer, a voice responded in the distance. That if you don't listen... Before you speak, the road will always be a little more bumpy. I learned that the hard way. Dad, we weren't expecting you till tomorrow morning, Noah said. This is my camp, son, and I believe I can come and go as I please. It's a pleasure to have you all here. My name is Ashton Bright. In perfect unison, my classmates and I sang a preschool good evening, Mr. Bright. Mr. Loveheart would be so proud. The old man smiled and said this might be a, an all right group. Noah excused us and ordered lights out. When we arrived to our room, I was so excited to tell Laura all about my experience in the game, but Catherine and her were huddled in the corner changing into their pyjamas. I didn't want to disturb or change with them. I don't need Catherine's ads reminding me of how unfit I am. But I still loved watching them interact. Their love was so pure and real, even though they gave each other the runaround. Plus, we all loved seeing Catherine's black wing tattoos that covered the whole surface of her back. She got them after her mom passed away from a brain tumour. Catherine's always been a fighter. Zara, are you trying to take my girl away from me? Laura said, jokingly. 
If I wanted her, I would have her, I replied, knowing I stood no chance. Catherine, being the same she is, replied, That's right, Sarah. I reluctantly got into my pyjamas, making sure not much was exposed at any time. I lay in my bed as I waited for Laura to come sleep in her bed next to mine, but she had taken a liking to Catherine's bed. That night was the first night of all my nights at Camp Bright, as I looked up to the ceiling, sleeping alone. Thank you so much if you've made it to the end. Well, it's not the end, it's the end of part one. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed it, guys. It was not really easy for me to record because I don't know how to edit yet. So I had to do this all in one take. So I really, really apologize for any mistakes that might have been in there. But I'm really happy that I did this. You know, I've been trying to do it for a long time. So it's been fun. If you are interested in finding out what happens in part two, please let me know. But I am going to give you guys a little, you know, peek. The next chapter is chapter four and it is called Daisy. So if you want to know what goes on there, hit me up. Let's talk about it. I'll definitely do another podcast where I discuss the themes that we found in this, you know, we're going to touch on bullying, we're going to touch on self-esteem issues and all of that type of stuff. You know, discussion is a must and we have to talk about this. Um, Just again, just to let you know that this is a fictional story that I wrote and I hope that you enjoyed it and I'd love to see you all here again for part two. Wherever you are in the world, have an absolutely fantastic day. Bye.